welcome to another episode of Getting Hot In Here, a podcast about the climate crisis and what we can all be doing about it. I'm Andrew, and on today's episode, we have an interview with Annika Stott, the sustainability strategist at OzHarvest, who sat down with me to talk about all things food waste. We talk about what food waste is and why it is such a big issue. Annika has been working on fighting food waste for years and shares her thoughts on the steps we can all be taking to solve this problem. This interview was recorded a couple of weeks ago on a rainy afternoon in Sydney. While the rain was so welcome, the background noise is not, so apologies for the slightly different audio. Let's get into it. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to have someone who works in this space, in food waste, and someone who works at Oz Harvest as well, who is one of the leading food waste organisations in Australia. So could you introduce yourself, tell us about you and what you do, uh, and maybe a little bit about Oz Harvest as well? Sure. Thanks for that beautiful introduction. I've been working in the food waste space for the past eight years. I've worked in the UK and at an organisation called RAP, which was all about circular economy and designing out waste. And now at Oz Harvest in, in my role as sustainability strategist, where I lead some of our advocacy and our policy work and actually start starting to really get underneath the core issues of food waste and what we need to do from a behavioural change perspective to make people care about where food comes from and what they can do to save it. But personally, my interest in food waste began in the Caribbean, and that seems like an odd place for, um, for this to happen, but I spent a couple of years living on a sailing yacht and we used to sail around the world. There was five crew and we'd occasionally have guests on board. But the five of us would be sailing around the world and we'd be at sea for weeks on end. And during that time, all of the food and all of the waste that we were producing were stored in black bags in one of the hatches at the bow of the, this really beautiful sailing yacht. And so before we would you know, leave these shores, we'd have to go shopping and procure all of this beautiful, beautiful food. And then we'd spend a long time at sea and then we'd get to these pristine islands and carry bags and bags of waste to the bins that were scattered along the beach. And it was from that moment when I just really thought there has to be a better way of managing waste and also thinking about our impact on the planet. And that's why I love working in the food waste space because waste is obviously something that's really, really interesting and really important in terms of how we deal with it, um, with a growing population and find sort of more effective ways of designing out waste. But also food is such a powerful connector. It brings people together, it's a celebration, it's important just for basic human functioning, but also the impact of food is really, really far-reaching. So from everything from water scarcity to biodiversity loss to land use to obesity to nutrition, um, food touches so, so many facets of our life. And most importantly and critical at the minute is the impact of food and food waste on climate change. 
It's so good to hear that story. I haven't heard that before. Your way into waste and food waste. It's great to talk to another waste nerd. <laughs> it is such a big issue that is so connected to us. We all eat food every day and so much of it is getting wasted. So we wanted to have a bit more of a chat about that and uh, sort of talk about some of those issues that come up, um, how they are affecting everybody around the world, uh, not just here in Australia, but globally, uh, how that is connected to the climate crisis as well, and then really get into some of the solutions that we can all be taking. So we like to talk about a climate confession conundrum or celebration. It's like a confessional conundrum. So yesterday I had some ham in the fridge and I actually don't really like ham that much. So I don't know how it ended up in my fridge. Anyway, I thought, well, I'm not gonna put it in the landfill, in the red bin, in the landfill bin. Um, I'm gonna feed the ham to my worms. And now I've thought about it and I think that I'm making like carnivorous worms. Like, do worms eat pig? I don't know. So now I feel really bad because I don't know which one's worse. Are they eating it? Have you had a look? No, I've been too scared to. <laughs> <laughs> I normally advise people not to put meat products into their worm farm. I don't think the worms will love it, um, but great experiment. Have a look. If they yeah. are eating it, it might be okay for them. Otherwise... But what's worse? Putting it to landfill? Maybe I should have just buried a hole in the garden, like dug a hole in the garden and buried it in there. Another way, good, great way, if you don't have a compost bin that you might be able to put it into, is the Share Waste app that's out there. So it's connecting people with compost bins to people that have food scraps. So OzHarvest, for those that don't know very much about it, we're Australia's leading food organisation focusing on perishable food. We have 57 vans on the road every single day collecting more than a tonne of surplus food. So it's really good quality, it's beautiful, edible food. And we collect that food and take it to people in need across the country. So we have 3,500 food donors that donate this food to us. And we have 1,300 charities or agencies, as we call them, that we provide the food to. And the benefit of that for these agencies is that means that they're able to reinvest the funding that they no longer need to spend on food and they can provide other critical um, services to people in need. So the types of organisations that we deliver the food to can be anything. We um, don't discriminate, but some of the types of organisations might be women's shelters, um, school breakfast runs, so making sure that kids in low socioeconomic areas are going to school with a full belly, homeless shelters, community groups, aged care facilities, domestic violence, refugees, really the list goes on and on and it has a beautiful flow-on effect in the community. So we're pretty proud of our impact in the community but more importantly what it means to be on the front line of saving good quality food that's destined for landfill and instead giving it a new life and a new purpose. Because the reasons why we waste food are just so, so absurd. You know, there's a whole gamut of different reasons why 
which happen across the entire supply chain. So from um, pests and disease and extreme weather events on farms to um, manufacturing where there's a lot lost through prepping and chopping and cutting food um, to transportation where actually 25% of fruit and veg is lost in the coal supply chain to what happens in hotels and the hospitality sector and in restaurants um, and then actually what happens when we waste food at home. So there's so many different reasons why that happens and I'm sure we're all guilty of some of them, myself included. But just the simple acts of starting to think about um, how we buy food, how far it's travelled, where it comes from, actually can help us play a critical role in um, reducing our own food waste, saving money and tackling the climate crisis. Definitely, there are so many reasons to not waste food, money being a huge one of them. Our food normally is quite expensive that we buy, and it's a huge part of people's daily budgets. So just saving that money in the first place. Also coming at it from that diversion from landfill that you mentioned. So all of that food, when it's wasted and going to landfill, is organic material and when organic material breaks down in a landfill it starts releasing methane uh, and we've spoken about this before about methane being a much more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide mm. 25 times more and when that is emitted into the atmosphere it has huge implications for global warming and so good to hear that Oz Harvest uh, is not only the food waste collection company that collects this waste and redistributes it in a way that is a bit more equitable across our communities but also as you spoke about previously you're really pushing the boundaries on what can be done and really moving into different spaces and really getting into the theory behind food waste mm. why people waste food and really trying to understand it yeah, and I think that's absolutely critical to all of this. It's actually about reconnecting people to the value of food. And that's really powerful because all of us, as Andrew said, have a relationship with food, if we're lucky, three times a day. And so through that, there's a really powerful opportunity to reinstill that value of food so that it doesn't get wasted. So what we're doing is really looking at how we can optimise value for food in terms of pushing it up the waste hierarchy, or food waste I should say, so pushing it up the waste hierarchy so that we actually start playing in the prevention space. Because it's pretty clear that the way that we are currently managing and treating food, the fact that a third of all food is lost or wasted, is absolutely unsustainable for our planet and for future generations. So something absolutely it has to change. And when we talk about throwing away a third of all food that's produced, let me sort of break that down into what that actually looks like. That is six garbage trucks of edible food being dumped every second globally. Every second. Every second. Wow. So it's, you know, and that's edible food. There is no way that our planet, that our land, that our water can um, continue to manage this sort of very severe inefficiency. 
And to, to your point before, when you were talking about what happens in landfill, the fact that it can take a head of lettuce 25 years to decompose in landfill shows how ineffective that system is. And really, you know, what we need to be doing is not wasting that food in the first place. But if it does become waste, we actually need to be getting that back into our soil so that we can start to restore and repair some of the damage that's happened to our soils over the last century um, so that we can continue to grow nutritious food for all. And if we aren't able to do that, then the repercussions and the impacts of that are not just going to affect people who, who don't traditionally have enough money to buy food. The implications of that are going to be really, really far-reaching and will affect all of us. And, and that's purely because the price of food will go up. So you mentioned there getting our wasted food back into our soil. Uh, and so if people aren't aware, the soils in Australia are becoming incredibly nutrient deficient. The way that Australia works and the farming practices that are set up have stripped the soil of lots of the nutrients that is required to grow food and plants, even down to things like carbon. And there are some, some amazing satellite images of the loss of topsoil from the eastern part of Australia and you can see the loss of carbon in the soil as it is so dry and this is all such an interconnected issue we're in such a chronic drought in New South Wales and Australia exacerbated by the climate crisis and you can see that topsoil gets so dry and so brittle and blow out the sea and it's lost and it's that topsoil where all of the nutrients is it's becoming really hard. That's a reason why farmers are struggling so much, not just the lack of rain and lack of water, but the lack of nutrients in the soil in the first place. Yeah. So getting that head of lettuce, as you said, through a composting system that can be then reapplied back to the land and put those nutrients back in the soil. Yeah, it's absolutely critical to the future of food. And I hope this is not true, but there is actually a real risk that if we're not doing things like Andrew said, that we could actually run out of food by 2050. And that's a pretty scary thought. Yeah, 2050 is not far away. No. So you mentioned there that approximately a third of food globally is wasted. Can you talk a little bit about how that food is wasted and maybe go into the differences between food waste and food loss? Yeah, so that's a really good question. It's interesting because food waste happens across the entire supply chain, but it's actually got two different definitions. So food loss is everything that happens on farm at a primary production level. And this, as I said before, there's so many different reasons for this um, and the pressure that you know is on our farmers to be producing perfect A-grade quality class produce. There seems to be a real expectation from consumers that food is always perfect. There are no marks, there are no blemishes mm. uh, all year, all round, mm. and people are expecting food yeah. out of season. So yeah. wanting avocados and mangoes all year round. 
And people are really quick to blame the food retailers. And yes, they have a massive, massive role to play in this, but actually they're just putting on the shelves what we buy. So, you know, the fact that um, some supermarkets have the imperfect produce and the wonky fruit and veg, that's really, really um, powerful. And we need to vote with our dollar and be supporting those types of initiatives. But actually, and this is a little bit controversial, but actually what needs to happen with those imperfect pieces of fruit and veg is we need to be seeing them in the mainstream categories of the fruit and veg and be paying the exact same price for the imperfect stuff as we are for the so-called perfect. It's taken the same amount of resources and money to grow that food, so why not pay the same amount? The same amount of labour, transportation, energy, love, land, water. There's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't be paying the right price to our farmers for that produce. So yeah, there's so many, in terms of an on-farm perspective, there's so many different reasons why food is wasted. And the great thing about that is then there's so many opportunities in terms of how we can influence that and design solutions to address um, food waste on farms. In Australia, we recently did a baseline of food waste to try and quantify where food waste arises. And on farms, there's actually 32% of where all food is lost. That's a really, really big figure that creates some opportunities, especially in terms of innovation, because that's essentially produce that could be taken to market. So we're wasting a lot of money by not tapping into that 32%. Is it just the food that doesn't look good or is imperfect that's being wasted on farms or is there any other reason that it is being wasted? No, there's lots of other reasons. Um, Pests, disease and extreme weather events. Um, The thing about that is that they're outside the control of the farmer and that's a cost that they're going to have to bear. So it seems incredibly unfair that they have to bear that cost and then they also have to bear the cost of the cosmetic standards and the rejection that happens. So recently um, I was on an avocado farm up in Bundaberg and we were looking at um, some new technology in terms of how to um, make avocados last longer. And the farmers were saying up there that, you know, for every four avocados that make it onto the shelf, one is lost. And that's just you know that it's just unsustainable moving forward and if you think about the price of avocados yeah totally and if you think about like the opportunities for that so why not be making guacamole so the food loss piece happens on farm and then pretty much everything else after that is considered food waste and there's lots and lots of elements and factors that happen across the supply chain um, where food is lost so For example, in the cold chain, which is the transportation and refrigerated trucks that are driving around our country, from a cold chain perspective, 25% of all fruit and veg is lost or wasted, rather, as a result of inefficiencies in the cold supply chain. So this might simply be that when a refrigerated truck gets to a Woolies, they open up all of the doors getting ready to unload everything. Um, There might be a challenge in the back dock of the Woolies and then that refrigerated truck will go from, you know, minus 15 degrees to ambient on a 40 degree day and 
actually then a lot of that food is wasted. And that happens um, quite often with seafood, which is just so, so, like that actually to think about that, that breaks my heart, that seafood that is probably not always necessarily farmed or caught responsibly is then wasted just from that inefficiency in our supply chains. And we have quite severe restrictions on food for health reasons yep. to protect consumers, yep. which is great to, yep. to protect people's health and well-being, but yep. it results in just a huge amount of food yep. going off and, yep. and being wasted. Yeah, absolutely. And look, our health and our safety is the number one priority in all of this. It's not about eating food um, that has, carries any risk to getting sick, but for example, date labels. They are incredibly, incredibly conservative measures that are not regulated and put on by the manufacturer's discretion, which means that they're going to factor in basically every possible thing that could go wrong, in, including that cold chain example that I just gave, to put this date on a milk or on any type of food item really, which is ultimately going to result in us as consumers looking at the date going, this is bad now and chucking it out and then going and buying more. And that's that's just such a shame that that's happening in our society. And you can understand why, because no one wants to be held liable and no one wants to be responsible for anyone's you know, illness as a result of, um, not f- of food not being safe. Is there a space for that to change from a mm. legislative or from the companies themselves? Could they relax those dates a little bit? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And a lot of really great work has been done in the UK and Europe around um, date labels and actually making it really clear to consumers what the labels mean so that people don't get confused with best before and use by. Um, there's a lot of ambiguity around that. So people think that even if it's just a best before date that they have to throw it away and there is a huge opportunity for organizations like Oz Harvest and other businesses working in the food space to actually come together to lobby to have um, these types of you know that the legislation changed around this or inform some of the processes so that we can have better better outcomes and um, a lot of what I do in my role is working on the national food waste strategy with the federal government and we have formed a steering committee so there is about 12 other organizations on that organization including the CSIRO the National Farmers Federation um, some academics from different universities and we're actually looking at what are the most impactful ways to be addressing food waste in Australia So you'll be really happy to know that we actually have a target to halve food waste by 2030. It's a pretty scary goal and no country in the world before has ever achieved that goal in 10 years. It's a big target. It's huge. And we waste 7.3 million tonnes of food a year. So we're looking at how do we halve that? And this is where the conversation around the definition of food waste comes in. Because when we think about halving it, we have to think about, well, what are our options for halving it? And the way that our definition is, is that the only way that we can do that is through prevention, 
through scaling up food rescue and through scaling up animal feed. Anything that sits below that in terms of even composting, um, anaerobic digestion, um, landfill, that all falls outside the scope of halving food waste because that's still considered to be food waste. And so we refer to that as pushing things up the waste hierarchy. And we spoke about that previously about getting things certainly out of landfill, but even further than that. So that's a really valuable use of it rather than compost is still a really good use. But if we could use it for animal feed or to feed humans as well, it's such a better way of using it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and that's absolutely critical to to our future. And in terms of that prevention space, that's where us as consumers play a really important role. So the fact that from our homes, we waste 34% of the, you know, the 7.3 million tonnes. The way that we can take control of that in our homes is actually really simple. It's just about being more thoughtful when we're purchasing food, thinking about how much we need to buy, who's home for the week, how far this food has traveled, where does it come from, um, and making choices around you know, supporting local farmers and also buying the imperfect produce. I really like the tip of looking in your fridge and your cupboards before you go to the shops, because how often has everyone gone out and you're standing there at the shelf and you can't remember if you have bread at home or not so you buy it anyway because you don't want to go without and then you end up with two loaves and one maybe more of that ends up in the bin writing a shopping list as well before you go well i'm glad you like that one because um we tried to develop a mantra for fighting food waste in the home um, at Oz Harvest and I actually wanted it to be like slip slop slap because you know as an Aussie kid I grew up loving that mantra but unfortunately food waste is a little bit more complex so we ended up with look buy store cook and what that means is looking at what you have before you go shopping buying only what you need and that is crucial to this and the added bonus is that you're going to save money Um, Then it's about storing food correctly and then cooking with what you have. We need to be building up our kitchen confidence so that we're able to open the crisper and open the fridge and just make a meal out of what's in there instead of always going to the shop and buying all the new ingredients um, and following a recipe to a tea. So I, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but I now don't even look at recipes. I just look at what's in the fridge and make something out of it. And look, sometimes it's really delicious. Other times it might not work out so well, but I feel good about it because I'm not wasting any food. That's amazing. And that's a, I think the, the cooking one is a big point. I was certainly raised that's a similar way that my mum cooks and creating food from what you have in the fridge and in the cupboards. Very rarely would a cookbook come out, but my mum would still create amazing meals we would all eat. And some of those skills were passed on to me. I'm certainly not as good as my mum, but I really see those skills being lost, Mm -hmm. particularly with people around our age. Mm -hmm. And I look at some of my friends and they don't know how to cook at all yeah Uh, they eat so much takeout food or food delivery services now they use them a lot and when they do if they do get into the kitchen it's 
buy the recipe and mm. they go out and they buy a mm. lot of food mm. for the recipe and then they'll never use it again yeah. because they only needed a teaspoon of that instead yeah. of the whole jar. And so those cooking skills, we need to get those back. Absolutely. I think, you know, our convenience culture has re- it really, really impacts the amount of food that we waste and our relationship with food. You know, I have sympathy for the situation because the reason why is because we're all living such busy, busy lives. And, you know, that's why it's sometimes easier to get Uber Eats or just to get something on the way home from work. But there's a really important piece to all of this, and we touched on it at the beginning, but it's actually about reinstilling the value of food. Because once we start thinking about food more than just how much um, food is and actually start thinking about the embedded cost of that food, all of the resources that went that went into producing it it's not until we start doing that that we're actually really going to be able to start changing our behaviors at home and having an impact so what do you think about those food delivery services like uber eats and deliveroo should we be using them i think we should be using them but just not maybe to the frequency that some people are using them so i think you know the way that i grew up that sort of stuff was always a treat and whether that happened once a week or once a month we acknowledged the fact that that wasn't actually something that we did all the time and i think that's where they have value but it needs like anything in life to be used with caution and balance what about those prepared food boxes that you can get delivered like hello fresh mm. where everything comes portioned packaged and you there's a recipe there you throw everything yep. together and, and cook it it's actually a really great point because so i've tried those before and i actually really like it because you get to cook a new recipe and i think the whole thing about kitchen confidence where you're trying something new in the kitchen you're getting back to basics you're cooking things you know, a lot of the recipes that have come through, um, the ones that I've trialed, are stuff that I wouldn't normally make. So I've been quite excited about that. Um, a lot of the criticism around those services are that they come with a lot of packaging. Mm-hmm. The thing about that, though, is they're in really good portion sizes, so not a lot of food is going to get wasted. And the interesting thing about that is that food waste is actually six times more damaging to the environment than the packaging it's in. So the reason also from why I love those boxes is it's not just getting people cooking, it's actually not really creating a lot of food waste. Yeah, definitely. And there seems to be a lot of noise and a lot of attention focused on packaging and particularly plastic packaging and single-use packaging and that's certainly something that i feel as an environmental and a waste educator is that is the issue that everyone is focused on and i agree with them it is a really big issue all of this this plastic packaging that we're using but as you just said the impact of food waste and all of those organics going into landfill is so much worse and there's a real disconnect then between the holistic impact of what we're doing and I totally agree with you getting people into the kitchen and cooking 
and then hopefully they keep those skills maybe next time instead of using the box they'll keep that recipe go out to the shops buy it themselves and, and keep doing it yeah and it's really interesting in terms of the connection between food waste and packaging because a lot of packaging and I'm not a supporter of packaging at all but the thing that I would say is that it actually plays a really important role in helping us reduce food waste because if you think of how far food has to travel to get into our homes actually if it's not packaged properly there's going to be a lot more food that's wasted really what I see that we need to be doing to address the packaging waste that we have is firstly making sure that it's really only minimal making sure that it's recycled content that's being used into producing that packaging and recyclable in itself as well so you know think about it you can't go to the supermarket and buy peas and put them in your threaded canvas bag (laughs) and carry them home they're not going to make it home berries for example you know the packaging that berries come in are really really important for preserving the berries Um, I think that's a really good point the the preservation of food is key as well and so while something might be in a vacuum sealed bag if that keeps it fresh Mm. for a lot longer then the chance of that food being used and eaten is so much higher totally and your point as well about using packaging that's made from recycled content and that is also recycled in itself is a great one. And that's getting towards that idea of the circular economy where the packaging can then be reused again. You can put it in your recycling bin, it gets processed, sorted and recycled, made back into packaging again and it will keep going around. Yeah, and I think that's the really crucial part in this is that we actually need to be not treating packaging as the total devil, but looking at how we create new economies and new markets for plastic and recycled content because you know you would know this better than anyone but from a soft plastics perspective there is so much soft plastic waste but we don't have any end markets for it so there's well very limited so there's not a lot that we can actually do with that so we need to be really looking at what investment can be made to be tackling those different types of waste streams and separating out the issue between food waste and packaging Definitely. So those end market solutions are things like Red Cycle, where you can take back your soft plastic packaging. But reducing the amount of packaging that you use in the first place is key. And really then sort of shifting your behavior away from buying everything in plastic Mm. to taking your own bags, not putting something in the bag in the first place. I see people all the time pick up bananas and put them in a bag. There's just no need. Uh, So really sort of changing the way that we think about it. And there are certainly some aspects of packaging that we just do not need at all. The plastic bags I mentioned, single-use coffee cups. There are so many things that just don't need to be part of life. Have you ever seen when they wrap a coconut up in plastic? Oh, my gosh. It's just bizarre. It's like nature's so beautiful at looking at what a, what a, what a food needs to protect itself. So to put plastic on something that already has a shell just I makes know. no sense. And it's such a shame. I love drinking coconuts. But the idea of yeah getting it when it's been wrapped in plastic and then they've shoved a plastic straw into it so you can drink it. Uh, just So what can we do? about this problem it seems so big 
and you mentioned the goal of halving food waste by 2030. How do we get there? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think the thing that's coming out about food waste at the minute that's really powerful is the fact that addressing food waste is the third most impactful way to reverse climate change. So we need to be absolutely um, really putting food waste in the spotlight at a national level, at a commercial and business level, and also at a household level. So there are so many different diverse solutions to addressing food waste. And yeah, there's things that need to happen at a federal level. For example, a ban on food waste to landfill would be something that's a really powerful um, policy instrument that can drive change from a food relief um, perspective, which obviously being Ozharvest, this is some of the space we sit in as well, is that we need to be um, incentivizing donations of um, of food from businesses so that it can actually come out as a tax credit. Um, FOGO, which is food organics and garden organics, it doesn't actually contribute to helping us halve food waste target, but it does actually help us get those nutrients back in the soils. So working with councils to start um, rolling that out in local government areas is really important. And the beautiful thing about that is that once we start separating our food waste and getting it out of the red bin in our homes we actually are then able to see how much is wasted and uh, yeah I have a worm farm and when I started um, when I got that and I started actually just having a little jar that I'd put all of the unavoidable food waste and sometimes avoidable in my little jar it was just amazing to see how that adds up and then I'd sort of go okay well you know this week a fair bit of stuff got chucked out so maybe I need to look at how I'm purchasing food and you know doing things differently or can I use my freezer more I absolutely love the fact that the freezer acts like a pause button so yeah there's a lot of solutions across the entire supply chain and there's a lot of startups and a lot of businesses that are working in this space to identify new markets for food waste you know we're seeing businesses make a new type of leather out of orange peels we're seeing um, pharmaceutical organizations start looking at um, the byproducts of food waste and how they can transform that into nutraceuticals there's an incredible opportunity to make sure that in australia we're not sending food waste to landfill and um, getting these valuable valuable resources further up the waste hierarchy there's not a silver bullet. There's not a one, um, one size fits all solution. But the thing that's closest to that is actually for all of us to fall in love with food again. And for us to just really understand the value of this food and that we're lucky to have it. And part of the reason why I work in this space is I grew up with stories from my grandmother who lived through the depression and, and World War II and she used to tell me how valuable everything was and consequently you, they never wasted a thing and so much of this is actually not new it's actually just going back to the way that our grandparents treated food and that was with love respect and with dignity 
That idea of falling back in love with food is one that really resonates with me. And have you seen the film Into the Wild? Yes, it's like my favourite film. Me too. And that scene where he's been out in the wilderness, he's gone, he's disengaged with society, and he comes across an apple tree and picks an apple and just sits there and eats it. And his mind is just blown by the tastiness of this organic apple mm. that he's found. And he's talking to it and he says, oh, you're a super apple. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And that's even, you know, you don't even have to go to such extremes as to what, um, what he did in that film. As like, much as you might feel like sometimes you need to. Yeah, <laughs> as much as we'd all love to <laughs> run away. Um, you know, I, I love sometimes just going camping or going up into the mountains and, you know, having to properly prepare and pack meals and, you know, get out there, do a day's walking or whatever, and you find everything just tastes so much better. Yeah. And if you had a place for people to start, maybe your top tip for people to start on their reducing food waste journey, where should they begin? Fall in love with food again. Have a conversation with your grandma or someone else's grandma about what food means to them. Um, have a dinner party, bring people together with food and then you can see what a powerful connector it is. So once we start loving food, we're less likely to waste it. And the other thing that falls into that is just really being conscious of how we're buying our food. So. You know, if we have the opportunity not to go to some of the big supermarkets, that's really, really powerful in changing the landscape. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about with Ozharvest? Are they doing anything in 2020? Yeah, so watch this space. There's going to be lots happening. We're a very busy organisation, but because we're so passionate, there's lots of really great things that come out of it. We are going to continue to use our voice to be really active um, about addressing food waste and climate change at a federal level, at a state level. Um, and there's lots of new technology that's coming out in terms of how we really effectively rescue more food and feed more hungry Aussies. We also have a new social enterprise called For Purpose Co, which is looking at um, ag tech solutions in, in the food space. Um, so they're looking at lots of really innovative, fun ways of addressing the issue. So lots to happen and come in 2020. And I think the most important thing for us and the direction of our organization is really influencing federal policy, but also empowering citizens, that's all of us, to take action on reducing our food waste in the home. Good luck. Thanks, Annika. It's been really inspiring and I've learned a lot this afternoon as well. It's given me a lot of food for thought. Excuse um, the pun. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. again to Annika for joining us and if anyone wants some more information about the incredible work that Oz Harvest do or wants to donate to them to help them reach their target of halving food waste by 2030 you can visit their website at www.ozharvest.org that's Oz with an O-Z I'll put a link in the show notes as always you can contact us to continue the conversation on our Instagram at Getting Hot In Here Podcast or visit our website at gettinghotinhere.com Please rate, review and subscribe on whichever platform you get your podcasts. 
It gives us a real boost and means we can reach a lot more people. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back in a fortnight with another episode. Talk to you then.